Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane. Your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. A drag race, they're sideways! Here he comes, here he comes, he's got him this time. Larson to the bottom of the track. Bad job. Trying to take the lead away. Bad job. They touch, they touch. Who is going to win? It's going to be a drag race all the way back to the start finish line. Keep your foot in it. Keep your foot in it. There's still three. Middle he's three. got him, he's got him. Oh, oh there we go. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place that everybody wants to be. That, of course, being Victory Lane. Episode one was such a hit that my boss, aka me, had me back for episode two, numero dos. Uh, first order of business before we get into everything, talking about Phoenix, looking ahead to Auto Club, Hall of Fame, all that jazz. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed so far. Most of it's on iTunes because if you're not Team Apple, uh, what are you doing? Just get with the times. It's the 21st century. Uh, but thank you, honestly. They do not go unnoticed. They are much appreciative, um, much appreciated, and I am appreciative of it. Um, so the, the way that I said it last week was that the way that these podcasts get noticed more by NASCAR fans in the podcast realm is the more ratings and reviews, specifically reviews that it has, the more that it shows up on the iTunes charts. I'm not too, super in tune with Spotify or Google Play or anything like that. Um, we're also on SoundCloud, but I know how Apple works uh, because, again, if you're not if you're not using an Apple phone in the 21st century, I, I just can't trust you. You're one of those narcs. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who has done that. Please continue to do so. Um, I will give everybody some shout-outs in the next episode who has rated and reviewed so far. Second order of business, we have a lot to talk about this weekend, or this week, I should say, from this past weekend and looking ahead to this upcoming weekend per usual. We have a recap of Phoenix, an interview with one of the coolest cats in the garage, Corey LaJoy, where it's actually pretty funny. He thinks I'm asking for girl advice, but I'm not. You'll see. You just have to listen to find out. We're going to preview Fontana as well, and so, so much more in between. And I cannot believe that I forgot to do this last week. How stupid of me. But let's get it going. Get it revved up, DW. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. Ticket Guardian 500 at ISM Raceway. That is the race that we had this past weekend. And, well, it was Kyle Busch doing Kyle Busch things once again. He wins for his 199th career win. Say it with me. 199. He swept the weekend, also won the IK9 Service Dog 200 on Saturday afternoon for the Xfinity Series, which is not surprising at all. We'll get to more of him. But let's talk about qualifying because that was kind of lit. That was pretty much the highlight of the weekend in terms of mainstream media and also, you can argue, within the NASCAR realm, okay? It was fun. <laughs> Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell threw some hands after the first round of qualifying. What? Who does that? So essentially what happened was Suarez was not happy with McDowell uh, after qualifying because he thinks 
that he cut him off and was not able to get a good flying lap. So he went over to talk things out once the round ended. McDowell at this point still has his helmet on, right? So Suarez is coming over. He's pretty pissed, but I don't think he's trying to throw hands or anything. He's not trying to fight. And then McDowell just grabs the dude by the throat and is trying to throw him down. And then Suarez goes all Nacho Libre and slams him to the ground. Daniel took him down. It was crazy. And then McDowell was kind of holding on to his leg. And Drew Blickensdurfer, the crew chief for McDowell, he was like pinning Suarez down on the hood. And this is when McDowell was holding his foot. I was like, dude, what is going on? Like, like that's crazy. It happens in qualifying too. It'd be one thing if it happens during the race, like on pit road when two drivers wreck out or something, like Clint Boyer running after Jeff Gordon or after the race. But this is qualifying. Like what? I don't I don't remember the last time a fight happened in qualifying in a long, long time. But bottom line is that it was fun. We like rivalries. We like controversy. We like fights. And we like them all in qualifying too. Like I said, tweet me if you want to at Davy Center. I can't remember the last time that I saw a fight in qualifying, like a fight fight in qualifying. I've seen disagreements. I've seen verbal altercations. And I've seen maybe some slight jabs here and there verbally. But I have not seen a physical altercation in qualifying. And like I said, this is good. Um, Suarez had an all-time quote, too. He goes, quote, I'm the kind of driver that is going to give you a lot of respect, always, if you give me respect back. If you don't give me respect, I'm going to kick your ass. How the hell do you like those apples? It's basically saying, hey, you come after me, fine. It's all fair game in love and war. But if you treat me with respect, I'm going to give you nothing but respect back. And here's what I love, too. NASCAR said, we love the intensity, keep it off the track. Didn't penalize them at all. They brought them to the hauler to essentially tell them that, and that's it. That's the end of the story. Boys have at it. You do you. I love that NASCAR is saying all is fair and love and war. So anyways, let's hit on some other drivers before we get to our winner and give him his proper due. Uh, McDowell finished last. Call that karma if you want to look at it that way. Uh, Alex Bowman, the hometown boy, he's from Tucson, so this is his home track. He was involved in two separate cautions and finished second to last, 35th at his home track. And, of course, I picked him in my fantasy league, SMH, of course. Eric Jones finished in 29th place. He spun out early and was a few laps down for the entire race, pretty much. Uh, got some rear damage to his number 20 car and was never really able to recover from being a handful of laps down. Matt Tift, give a little shout-out to him. Career best finish of 20th place. Brad Keselowski came home in 19th. He had an issue throughout the race as well. Was never really a factor from the, the beginning onwards. Chase Elliott, here is an interesting thing with him. He finished 14th. He went from the back to the front a couple different times. So he led on the initial start, but he was then penalized for beating the pole sitter to the start-finish line. So he was already a lap down on lap five. Oof, big oof. So here's the thing. The rule, all the Chase Elliott stands out there on Twitter were like, oh, NASCAR is so corrupt, blah, blah, blah. No, like this rule has been in place forever. Go check out Dustin Long from NBC Sports. Go check out his Twitter. He tweeted a picture from the 2000 rule book, okay? This is 19 years ago, folks, when it was the Winston Cup. The 2000 rule book has a rule that basically says the leader cannot beat the second place driver, or the second place driver cannot beat the leader, excuse me, to the start finish line to start the initial race, okay? It's it's another thing within other restarts, like 
if the leader does not go by the second line in the restart box, then the second place car can beat the leader to the start finish line because he didn't go by the end of the box. But this was the initial start of the race. And the rule clearly states in black and white, and it's been this way, I don't know, since the inception of NASCAR in the late 40s, but probably for a long, long, long damn time, you do not beat the leader to the start finish line. Black and white, plain and simple. Chase Elliott was a little upset because he thought that Blaney spun his tires. Whether or whether or not he did, he beat him to the line. That's a penalty. They enforce it as they should have. Newman, Ryan Newman, that is, finished in 12th place. He was, I was pretty impressed with him all day, though, because he was running inside the top five for a good portion of the race. There's got to be something about him in Phoenix that I wasn't buying into, but I guess I should start now, huh? Because I think there was a stat. He snapped two of his winless streaks at Phoenix. One was the Stuart Haas Racing, uh, I believe in 2012 or sometime around then. And another one was with RCR uh, in 20. 17 I want to say yeah when Luke Lambert had that fuel strategy gamble to keep him out on the racetrack and they ended up winning that race as well I think Kyle Larson finished second in that one too so maybe I'll start buying into the Ryan Newman hype at Phoenix but I guess I'll pick him on my fantasy team when they come back in about nine or ten months or so getting into the top 10 now defending champion Joey Logano he came home in 10th place Kevin Harvick you think that he would finish ninth, and that'd be a really, really bad day. And to him, it kind of was. It was his worst finish at Phoenix in a few races, if I have my stats correct. And he said after the race, he just could not pass at all. Um, Rodney Childress kind of took some of the blame, too, because they took two tires instead of four on one of the final rounds of pit stops. And they were not good taking off on restarts at all during the day. And Harvick radioed right after there was a quickie yellow after one of the first restarts and said, yeah, I, I don't know why we took two because we could barely take off with four. With two, this is going to be a you-know-what show. So RC took some of the blame. Um, ninth place finish for Kevin Harvick at Phoenix. Definitely, definitely not what he wanted, what I was expecting, and what a lot of people were expecting because he and Phoenix are synonymous with winning. He has nine career wins there. He was looking to get his 10th win and join some elite company, but just really couldn't pass at all. Jimmy Johnson, top 10 run for an old seven-time, finishing it. Eighth place, a nice, nice run for the number 48. He needed one of those runs big time, though, because you have all this talk in the offseason about Chad Knauss moving away from the 48 team, Kevin Mendering coming over. Is Jimmy done? Is he washed up? Should he retire soon? Lowe's is leaving. Allies coming back. Hendricks still on the downturn. And I think now he kind of silenced some of those haters by saying, hey, look, I can still get this done, okay? He was he was leading at some point. I mean, it was because of pit strategy, but he did lead some laps in the number 48 car, which was kind of cool to see. Kurt Busch, this man is wheeling the hell out of his race car this year. P7 for him, another top 10, the third in a row. You could argue that he's been the most consistent driver all season long, along with Kyle Busch. Uh, so he finished seventh. His Chip Ganassi Racing teammate Kyle Larson came home in sixth place. Denny Hamlin with a top five in fifth, as well as Eric Amarola, who led 26 laps, uh, played the strategy right, came home in fourth place. Ryan Blaney, who started on the pole, uh, he led 95 laps, but ended up falling back late and then saved fuel once Kyle Busch passed him for the lead. He finished in third place, and Kyle Busch's teammate, 
Martin Truex Jr. came home in second place. Blaney had the second best car at ISM Raceway, though. Don't get it twisted. Uh, he basically said that after the race, and so did Kyle Busch. But again, just so hard to pass. But once Kyle Busch was able to get by Blaney, he just set sail. And let's talk about him, the man of the day, the man of the hour, and the weekend, and frankly, the, the man of the year so far. That would be Rowdy. Kyle Busch, he led 177 laps on Sunday to top his 200-plus laps that he led the, the prior day on Saturday afternoon. He was the one, though, who got around Ryan Blaney in the closing laps, one of the few drivers throughout the day who could pass time after time. And he's going to tell you right here that despite winning the race and despite having the best car by leaps and bounds pretty much, it was very, very difficult to pass. Yeah, it was, um, it was certainly tough to pass yes uh it was it wasn't easy you you were really stuck and mired behind guys you know I got close to Blaney and then I got real tight and then he kind of got away and then I ran him back down and it's just kind of like an accordion thing you know you you cool your stuff off you go back after him and then you get too hot and too tight when you're behind him and then you got to cool back off again but and then you got to wait for traffic you know once Blaney got the traffic he had the same problems I had because now he's behind other cars that are in front of him and then that's when you kind of get to see whose cars are better than other cars and not just the guy who's out front is when you can maneuver and get through traffic and stuff like that. So uh, I just started working the racetrack and just started moving around and trying to find something and trying to get um, low and high and everywhere in between to try to just, you know, keep get keep trying to find clean air or cleaner air in order to, to get by him. There you have it from your race winner himself. So overall, I thought that this is a, this is a pretty good race. It reminded me kind of of New Hampshire events in the past where nobody could really complete a pass. People got close, don't get me wrong, but it just took a while. You had to set them up. You had to get them coming off the corner, be able to clear them going in and hold them off coming off. It was kind of frustrating to watch even as a fan too because it was like, damn. Like It was at the end, right? I was watching Kevin Harvick's telemetry. He caught Joey Logano from about half a straightaway or three-quarters of a straightaway away for ninth place. And once he got to him, he could not pass him. Like, literally, physically could not pass the number 22 car. And he finally got him on the last lap after working for, like, 10 laps trying to get by him. And that's just because of this new package. And even though it was on a short track and the horsepower has increased, the downforce is still there. So these cars just punch such a big hole in the air that once you get behind a car and try to pass him... Um, the air is just so dirty. Like we talked about last week, uh, we heard from all the drivers at Las Vegas, the wake, the wake in, in the back of these race cars is just so, so big. So we don't really know what to expect moving forward, or maybe we do. Um, and we'll talk about that with Auto Club Speedway in a moment. But that will kind of put a bow and put the wraps on the Ticket Guardian 500 from ISM Raceway. Now let's move on to our next topic. All right, this is a little touchy subject Tuesday for me, and it did come out on a Tuesday, so we can say that. The NASCAR Hall of Fame nominees were announced this week, so we still have 20 that are eligible to be voted in. Five new ones were announced, but the thing that got me kind of off my rocker was the Landmark Award, which we'll get to. So the new nominees for this this year were announced this week. They are Sam Ard, a two-time Xfinity Series champion. He's a pioneer of the series. I will be okay if he gets into the Hall of Fame eventually. He is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he has the stats to back it up. 92 Xfinity races in only three years, 22 wins in those three years, 67 top fives, 79 top tens, and he had an average finish of, get this, in three years, 5.5. Three, two champions. 
Like, that is insane. So Sam Ard, one of the best, one of the GOATs in the Xfinity Series. I'm cool if he gets in eventually. Marvin Panch. I'm also cool if he gets in eventually. So he has 17 wins in his career, 96 top fives. He has one Daytona 500 win. And when I looked him up on Racing Reference, dude ran in the Convertible Series and, close to my heart, ran in the K&N Pro Series West. Of course, it wasn't called that back then. But that's pretty cool. So, and he's one of the pioneers of the sport as well. He ended up passing away in 2015, but he was 99 years old. Really, really old guy who has experienced a ton in his uh, almost one century here on this earth. And he was one of the names from back in the day that I know. Um, and I know like the hardcore NASCAR fans that are listening to this, they know the Red Byrons. They know the Lee Petties. They know the Yarbroughs, the Pearsons, all that stuff. Marvin Panch was one of those guys that I've heard of, like old wives tales from my dad telling me about the old times and growing up. I mean, he wasn't watching Marvin Panch, but he heard about him when he started getting into the sport as well. So that's the second nominee on the list this year. Jim Pascal. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Pascal. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but that just shows how stupid I am. So what, what I was told about him was that he's a short track ace, 25 wins, 149 top fives in his cup career. Frankly, I just don't know too much about him, though. But, I mean, 25 wins in a cup career, that's pretty stout. And I always love a good short track ace as well. Next one on the list, I hope I'm pronouncing this one is, uh, correctly, too. Red Vogt, V-O-G-T. So the things that I was reading about him and was told about him was that he was kind of the, quote-unquote, first master mechanic in the sport. And he was also a founding member of NASCAR in the late 40s. So I'm cool with letting founders into maybe not on the first ballot, but eventually I'm cool with that. So Red Vogt, you got my vote if I had one. Here's where we get into some little bit of a hot water, okay? Neil Bonnet is on the nominee's um, ballot this year. Cool that he's on it. Uh, he's the original member of the Alabama gang, but kind of not because he wasn't. Um, but this one is a bit questionable. So he has 18 wins, 83 top fives, 156 top tens, and he has an average finish of 16.5 in his cup career. Now, as I'm telling you this, I'm going to pull up a tweet that Jeff Gluck had yesterday because essentially a lot of people um, going into this announcement were basically saying, oh, I expect Tony Stewart, who we're going to talk about in a second, he was on it, and Carl Edwards to be on this nominee ballot. Carl Edwards was not on it. Neil Bonnet was. So this is Jeff Gluck's tweet. Driver 1 had 18 cup wins in 362 starts, finishing top five in points one time. That's driver 1. Driver 2 had 28 cup wins in 445 starts, finishing top 5 in points 6 times, plus 38 Xfinity wins and a title. Both are eligible for the Hall. Driver 1 was nominated today. Driver 2 was not. So, doing some digging, I mean, I could pretty much tell right when I saw that tweet, Driver 1 is Neil Bonnet, and Driver 2 is Carl Edwards. Now, some popular sentiment amongst the garage and the NASCAR media core is that NASCAR was kind of rubbed the wrong way with Carl Edwards kind of leaving the sport early. Uh, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't think Neil Bonnet is a Hall of Famer. This is a Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good. It's not the Hall of Great. It is the Hall of Fame. So I don't think he's in. We're running out of time. Let me tell you about the last driver who's on the nominee list this year. That's Tony Stewart. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about it in my mind. Smoke, three championships, 49 wins. His resume speaks for itself. I, I think he's first ballot. No doubt about it. So before we get to Corey LaJoy, uh, our wonderful guest for this week, let's talk about the Landmark Award for a little bit. Um, so here are the nominees this year, Edsel Ford II, Mike Helton, and Dr. Joseph 
Mattioli. So two nominees return for the award, and that's also Alvin Hawkins and Ralph Seagraves. So he, here's what I, here's what I read on the press release. Potential landmark award recipients include competitors or those working in the sport as a member of a racing organization, track facility, race team, sponsor, media partner, or being, here it is, a general ambassador for the sport through a professional or non-professional role. Award winners remain eligible for National NASCAR Hall of Fame enshrinement. Okay, so let me get this straight. Janet Guthrie. Hardcore NASCAR fans know that name. If you don't know that name, she was one of the first female drivers to ever race in a NASCAR-sanctioned event. I believe, sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. She was the first female to participate in an event. Uh, Fox Sports 1 did an incredible, really cool short film on her last year, and I watched it. It was, it was awesome stuff. So she was on the, the list for last year, and I believe the past couple years, and now she's not. Like She was just taken off. That... That makes zero sense to me. Absolutely no sense to me. You want to talk about somebody that is a general ambassador for the sport through a professional or non-professional role, unquote? Janet Guthrie, people! What are you doing? Are you serious? Look, I can't can't speak for it too much on myself because, like I said, I never saw her race. I was not covering the sport uh, up until a couple years ago, so... I don't know a ton about her, but I know enough about her to know that she should be in the damn Hall of Fame. She broke barriers, okay? I don't think it's too much of a stretch to compare her to a Jackie Robinson. She was one of the first females to race in NASCAR, a sport that still is and was really back then male-dominated, okay? You don't want a female coming in and showing all these boys how to do things, and that's what she said in the documentary too. You got to watch that thing. It's really, really cool. Check out Jenna Fryer's Twitter and check out Nick Bromberg's Twitter. I know some people are like, oh, I hate those two media members because they're they're trolls. I love them. Um, check out their Twitter. Basically, they spoke for me, basically saying this is a joke. Like, I'm disgusted by this. I, I really don't understand why Janet was taken off the list. So, Janet, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are because you're a loyal listener of Victory Lane, Janet, I stand with you. I have no idea why they took you off. It, it makes zero sense to me, but hopefully you will get in in due time because I, I just don't understand how that happens. It's got something's got to be done. Other nominees for the Hall of Fame still eligible. Here's who they are. Buddy Baker, Red Farmer, Ray Fox, Harry Gant, Joe Gibbs, John Holman, Harry Hyde, Bobby Labonte, Herschel McGriff, Ralph Moody, Larry Phillips, Ricky Rudd, Mike Stefanik, and Waddell Wilson. I have I have so many thoughts about this, uh, the whole Hall of Fame situation. I will talk about this more once the Hall of Fame voting comes along in a couple months here. Essentially, my take on it, you got to stop putting these these okay people in the Hall of Fame. You got to stop putting five people in every single year. You cannot put all these people in the Hall of Fame year after year after year, or it is going to get diluted. It already is diluted, and I don't want it to get diluted any further. I digress. Let's hear from one of the coolest cats in the garage. Uh, I was able to talk with him for about 10 or so minutes at Las Vegas Motor Speedway after his media availability in the media center. We talked about beards. We kind of talked about women. We talked about receding hairlines. We talked about his K&N career. We talked about his dad and how nothing has been handed to him in his career. We talked about him thinking Lady Gaga is not attractive. It is Corey LaJoy on Victory Lane. I'm 22. You're not that much older than me. We all know that your face is on the car. All my friends, they don't watch NASCAR, right? I'm from the D.C. area. So they know you because of the scheme. Yeah. So 
I know that that's kind of a weird thing. Do you care that that's a way that you're being recognized now instead of being, oh, I know Corey LaJoy because he finished top 10 or because he won a race? Does that bother you at all? No, I'd rather. I'd rather. I mean, whatever it takes to uh, <laughs> to people put a face with a name, and even if they didn't even like the sport, they they know that I'm the guy that put my face on yeah. the car. Whether or not I did directly, right? right. Old Spice wanted to do it, but uh, I have gotten recognized way more uh, just in, in the following week yeah. or two after that, just from having that. So it was a great thing for the sponsor because it got them a bunch of attention, but it was also great for my my career too, just from people yeah. to realize who I am. Exactly, and the Barstool stuff too. That that helped as well. I mean, how was yeah. how was it doing some pizza reviews with Dave and hanging yeah. out with all those guys? Yeah, all those guys are really cool. You know, Dave puts that persona on right when he gets on the camera, yeah. but he's actually a pretty pretty relatable yeah. guy, and uh, he's hilarious. So, you know, he's and he's a good good business guy too. He knows what you know our generation wants to see, and you know they they tiptoe the line sometimes. Probably sometimes they cross it, but uh, it's a cool brand to bring into the sport to uh, to bring their demographic to show those guys. Hey, NASCAR is still cool, mm-hmm. and it could be cool if you just embrace it. So uh, so that that was great for my social media as well, uh, and, and meeting Caleb Presley mm-hmm. and, and all the, and Roan and all those guys that uh, you know that's my type of humor. Right? I like to cut it up with those guys, yeah. and they appreciate when when somebody. Uh, you know, an athlete in a sport can give it back to them because they're usually not used to that. Right, absolutely. So Old Spice is your sponsor for the past two weeks. This week you got a new one on the car in Prosper, right? Yeah, Prosper is a uh, cryptocurrency. Um, Ooh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I dabbled in that last year until I actually went right in the tank. So <laughs> I, I, a good friend of mine dabbles heavily in it, and that's who helped us out with this deal. So we had Dragon Chain and a couple other ones last year on the 72 cars, so Prosper is the one. Uh, they signed up for here at Vegas, and I think we're gonna have a couple. I think they're gonna be on the car a couple more times, like, like awesome. at uh, Chicago and Texas. So uh, welcome them aboard, right? I'm kind of I'm glad in a sense that my face isn't on it this week. Yeah, uh, that was starting <laughs> to run its course, but um, you know we're gonna try to give those guys a good run on Sunday, and, and hopefully they can. Uh, they can use it for whatever marketing ideas they want. If your face is on the car every week, that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, right. I think that it, two weeks was enough to run its course. Yeah. And, um, y- you know, I think 36 weeks, that would, that would get old pretty <laughs> yeah. quick. But uh, it, it worked, and I think it sold a, a bunch of Old Spice product, and it got me a lot of good recognition. Definitely going to buy a die cast for sure, assuming yeah. they make them. Uh, speaking of Old Spice, we were talking off mic, the dry shampoo that actually works. Like, can you yeah. explain how this works? Yeah, just, you know, like – if you have a meeting or something where you can't wear a hat and it's been a day or two or a day since you haven't taken a shower and your hair's a little bit greasy, right? A couple of shots of that thing and it makes your fro come back nice and nice and big. And, uh, you know, and I didn't even know what it was. I knew chicks used it, right? So that <laughs> yeah. was, I knew that was like taboo. Like, I'm yeah. not going to wear, I'm not going right. to use dry shampoo. I'm not a chick. Well, funny, oddly enough, after you take your helmet off and you're kind of sweaty, hair's all smashed up. Uh, like helmet hair, you just yeah. spray some old spice, dry shampoo, and good that thing, new? good as new. Wow. Like a million bucks. You walk into the Met Gala right after a couple of scores and stuff. I got to try some of that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> you need to maybe grow your hair out a little bit for it to really get the full effect. Okay, well, this is going to be one of my questions. I'll skip to it now. So you shaved your beard a little bit. It's like you yeah. trimmed it a little bit. Okay, yeah. so you can see mine. It's not full or anything like that, but I also have a receding hairline. So how does a Jewish 22-year-old kid who has a receding hairline that wants to get a full beard. Get chicks? That too, but how does he get a full beard first? You got to keep oiling that thing up, man. Beard oil? Patience and beard oil. Mm. Actually, Old Spice just came out with some too. This is like even not even a shameless plug. They, they I don't think it's even out in stores yet, but uh, if it does come out of stores, it's probably be at Walmart. 
and it's actually like the nice consistency, smells nice, but yeah, oil is what it's all about. It's it, it comes, it makes it come in way more full. Really? Yeah. Okay. And you don't get like beer drift, right? I get like yeah. dry skin every now and yeah, then yeah. if I don't put keep putting it in there, but you got to keep lubing that thing up, man. Good to know. <laughs> Lube my face up. All right, great. So back on track. Um, so I, I cover the K&N Pro Series for NASCAR Home Track. So in 2011, 2012, you were killing it in K&N. I mean, you were winning left to right, running extremely well. And then the years following that, things just didn't really materialize, whether it was sponsorship and being on the right equipment. Mm-hmm. How tough was it kind of knowing, and now that you've kind of lived it, how tough was it seeing that road ahead and it was a really, really bumpy one compared to ones that guys that you competed with that yeah. you frankly might have been more talented than you weren't getting the same shots? Yeah, that's a good point, man. I haven't uh, haven't had enough people do any research to realize I should be I actually used to win races and be mm-hmm. good a couple of years ago. But I did my homework. Yeah, so um, you know, I raced with all these guys, Blaney, Chase, Bubba, filling a blank hemorrhic, right? All, all these guys I raced with and ran wheel to wheel and sometimes they beat me, but a, a lot of time I beat them. And then it just kind of worked to where... I was racing on other people's money or lack thereof, right? I had to just jump in whatever car I could because I didn't have a Hendrick deal or a Penske deal or a Ganassi deal or, you know, any sort of deal that gets me in a good around in a good group of people in a good in a good car. Uh, I just didn't ha- I didn't have that um, for whatever reason, um, you know, w- whether it might have been my maturity level was too low, right? I, I, nobody wanted to help me out at that point in time, you know. I, I, I've definitely been knocked down a couple of rungs in the humility department, which is good because now I appreciate where I'm yeah. at way more uh, than I would have if my trajectory would have just stayed right. consistently forward. Um, it's good to have little speed humps in the way to kind yeah. of keep you grounded. Well, there wasn't even speed humps. It was like roadblocks. <laughs> Drop-offs. I, mean, I, was, I was crew chief in K&N West car, flying out west to crew chief David Mayhew for wow. a year. Like, I didn't race anything. And uh, flew out there, won a couple of races, and I was going to go down that path just to pay bills because I – didn't have anything to drive and uh and a sponsor that you theory that was on xfinity car a couple years ago they came to me and uh they wanted to get me back in the fold and they helped me out and then just kind of started that snowball rolling back down the hill and had a new perspective about the sport and uh and appreciated it a whole lot more now i'm in the best spot i have been in on sundays and i think it's gonna be a good spot to be uh you know to when when some of these bigger guys start retiring to jump in maybe a, a championship winning car one day but for now I'm just going to try to keep checking the boxes and doing what I can and, you know, taking a 25th place car and run 25th, yeah. not trying to run 20th with it because it it's the Cup Series, right? You can't all, not everybody, but the top 32 guys, 33 guys, can are driving their car to the maximum grip level that tire and aero downforce and the engine output can, can do, right? Like you can mix the top 32 guys and mix the cars up, and they're all going to finish within two or three spots of each other. That's just how it works, and people don't understand that. So you can't take a 25th place car and run 15th with it. It's it's impossible. Those days are over with. So to know that and to get a lot of experience and and trying to take those cars that weren't capable of running and and either tearing them up or or blowing tires or whatever it was that they they just they can't run that fast. It's just not possible. So taking a 25th place for car and running 25th maybe 24th with it is uh what i've learned 
that's going to keep applying for years to come. And luckily, I've been able, been able to make a career and make a living doing this for the past four years, and hopefully I can do it for another 10. And that's the thing that people don't understand, right? I mean, when you have a 25th place car, if you finish 20th, that's like a win, especially a win. for small teams like Go Fast and in the past with TriStar and BK for you. Yeah. Like, that is a win. People don't understand that. When they look at the box scores, so to speak, they're saying, oh, Corey LaJoy, 20th place finish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, they, they don't know. And, and people don't care to look, but at the end of the day, right, 20th place is not exciting. But when you're racing on a shoestring budget, that's a tenth of what the other guys are racing on. A 20th could be a great day. Yeah. You know, last September we finished 16th here with TriStar, and that was like a really good day for us. Yeah. Uh, granted, I don't know, like 30 people wrecked or whatever it was. <laughs> but, you know, to be in a position to where our stuff was still together and we still had a good finish, you know, it was the highlight of our season because it wasn't going very well right. with all the engine issues we had or whatever. So, but I think now the car has way more speed than I've, anything I've been in, and uh, and it's it's going to put us in position to where when there when there is a, a race that goes the way of there's a bunch of people wrecking and we can keep our stuff clean, then we might be able to break in that top 15 more often and maybe even run top 10 to some other short tracks. So we'll see. Randy Cox is a great crew chief. Uh, Archie's a good owner. He knows where to spend the money and when and what not to spend the money on on the useless things and. Uh, we're just going to try to do the little things right and see what happens. Little steps at a time. That's that's what, how we get there. And let's go back for a second to talk about your K&N days and stuff like that. They would see your last name and they'll assume, oh, LaJoy, Silver Spoon Fed Kid. Could not be further from the truth. No. Yeah, it's, it's probably actually made my road harder. Yeah. You know, like people just think that my dad's put me in all these race-winning cars, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, if, if I physically didn't get the car ready to go to the racetrack up until ARCA days, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to the racetrack. Like it was just me and a buddy. The networks of Tyler Young, so it was just me and him. We'd pull all nighters, whatever we had to do. Granted, Dad's had a lot of relationships that we were able to get some stuff from and barter and do the whole thing. Uh, but it wasn't a situation where Dad could call up Rick Hendry and be like, "Yo, Rick, put my kid on a development deal and send Lance McGrew over and to crew chief this Arca car yeah. what, or Arcane N car." You know, that wasn't the case. So I had to do it the hard way, and uh, and. I wasn't able to get, like I said, in one of those development deals or any sort of situation where I was driving race winning cars. Uh, there's only been three times in my life where I've felt like I've shown up to the racetrack in a race winning car. One was the late model I drove for Eddie Sharp at Rockingham, won that one. Uh, I drove another late model at Rockingham for a guy, Randy Sears, won that one three races in a row. And then I showed up. And ran two, three years ago, K&N car for MDM, 41 car, won that one. So anytime that I'm in a car that's capable of winning, I usually can get the job done. Uh, and, and if you look at, at all my National Series stuff, I haven't been in a car that's even a top 15 right. capable car. So I think people don't, you know, you look at my race and reference numbers and they're absolutely yeah. atrocious. It's like people don't dive deep enough to see the actual story behind it. No, like you almost have to be racing on a handicap if they want to use race and reference numbers. Yeah. It's like what what your caliber is as a driver, right? Does like, that bother you, though? Like like the fact no, that people don't to. know? Used to. But You're over it, it now? No. I, I, some weeks I look at it like a job, right? And I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to make the money I do to do what I do. And, and I would never dreamed I, I would actually be getting paid to drive around in circles, right? But... Um, it, it used to bother me, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't. If I if I keep my mouth shut or open it when I, there needs to be something to say, but to say it the right way, and but also care about the sport and, and do my job inside the, and behind the wheel, there's going to come a day where I am in a race-winning car 
and I am going to win championships because there's no doubt I can I can do it. It's just being with the right situation, right people. Good things to come to those who wait. Real quick, I know you got to go. So I think Bubba Wallace told me last year a funny story about you guys carpooling to school. Yes. Does that ring a bell? Yes, yeah, so we went. Oh yeah, so we went to high school together. So I picked them up every morning and dropped them off every afternoon uh, at high school. And the entire time, so he lived. I lived probably if the school was in the center. I lived right like six minutes one way and he lived six minutes the other way so it was like a 12 minute drive there back right so after school it'd be six minutes to drop blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. then 15 minutes back to my house a lot of driving over of course three years of course so he gives me a birthday card one day with 20 bucks in it so here man here's like your birthday (laughs) and gas money thanks for being a good friend 20 bucks for three years of driving you (laughs) every day you give me 20 bucks of gas money so that was that was that was uh, that that's been the running joke forever. Jeez. You know, I every time I see Bubba, I gave you gas money. Yeah, you dickhead, twenty bucks <laughs> was probably after three weeks. I drove you for three years. So, yeah, I, I love Bubba. Me and him have been buddies for a long time, and it's funny too. We were actually talking about it. Uh, me, me, Bubba, and uh, and Daniel Hemrick were all sitting around, and it's funny that because Daniel grew up five minutes from us too. Like it, you know, me, me, Bubba, and, and Daniel grew up within a eight-mile radius of each other. So to, to be racing at the highest level with, with the, your buddies you grew up racing bandoleros with is pretty damn cool. Really cool. And I know you got to go. So last question, your new podcast, Sunday Money, that's really cool. But i got a bone to pick with you. You don't think Lady Gaga is attractive? Like, what? What? No, bro. Did you watch Stars Born? No. Are you going to take my man car because I watched it? No, I heard it's a good movie. It is a good movie. But I don't think Lady Gaga is hot. I think she looks like a dude. She's, okay. But she's got a lot of work done. She looks better than she did like five years ago. We'll give her that. So I will say this. She's, I don't think... I don't think she's hot. She's she's beautiful in the sense of she's not like a supermodel, but she's a girl that you date and you'd like to marry. You just say that because she's rich. Not at all. Yeah, you do. Mm, all right, yeah. maybe five percent. All right, take her money away, and you saw her on the street in the bar. If I hear her voice, yeah. Put the put the voice aside. We're not talking about her voice. We're talking about her. I voice. could have a lovely conversation with somebody as friends, she's and it could lead into five. more. She's a hard five, soft six. Mm, God. Okay, so what does the money and the voice do then? Makes it a strong seven. We'll end it there. Corey Joy, thanks so much, man. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. LaJoie, or LaJoy as they say. I told you it was pretty funny. Like, he's he's one of the OG dudes. Like, he's he's kind of around my age. I want to say he's 25, 26, something like that. Maybe a little older. He just got married in the offseason, which you talked about, I think. Um, and he's like really cool. Dustin Albino, one of my colleagues over at Front Stretch, he did an Instagram live with him at Daytona for Media Day, and I was talking to him about it afterwards. And Dustin was like, "Yeah, he's an OG. Like he's a cool, cool dude." So thanks, thanks to Corey and Ryan Ellis with uh, Go Fast Racing for helping coordinate that sit down time, stand up time, I should say. It was really fun. Uh, looking forward to having him back on. I was just finished listening to this week's podcast of Sunday Money uh, with him, Daryl Mott, and Lauren Fox. So good stuff there. All right, I didn't do this last week, but I had to bring it back for the one time, for the two time. Log Nuts of the Week! Cue the music. The newly named NTT IndyCar Series got underway this weekend in St. Petersburg. Joseph Newgarden got the win to kick off the season for Team Penske. Really cool, though. Robert Wickens was also in attendance. So, so damn cool to see. Also, definitely know she's not listening, but shout out to Savannah McCann because I know that she has a big, big time crush on Joseph Newgarden when she worked the Indy 500 a couple years ago. Have fun at the Dirty Myrtle this weekend. 
Michael Self and St. Clair Oil, a.k.a. Donico in all its glory to my home race. He won the Pensacola 200 at Five Flags Speedway this past weekend. Ty Gibbs finished in second place, and I think Michael Self is an ARCA championship favorite in my opinion. I am no I am no buff on the ARCA series, but I probably should become one considering the uh, merger next year. Uh, don't know what my plans are, but hey, that's a whole different story. Um, but I'm excited to like see what the plans are next year and stuff like that, and I think Michael Self is a hell of a race car driver. Uh, I was there in Meridian a couple years back when he won uh, in the number nine and did a burnout right in front of the Sinclair Oil little blow-up dinosaur guy. So congrats to Michael. He's a really, really cool guy. And just as an aside, the, the next morning, we, I had a flight at like 5, 6 a.m., something like that, out of Boise. And, you know, you think like, oh, race car drivers, glitz, glam, glory. They're winning the race. They'll probably party in all night and going to fly home on their private jet. Nope. I returned my rental car and Michael Self was on the rental car, sh rental car shuttle with me. So it was pretty cool. I, we always have that memory together. Some penalties to clean up from this past weekend. Adam Stevens was fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut. And Taylor Moore and Timothy Goulet, or Gullet, I don't know. They're fined $5,000 for the same offense in the Xfinity Series. Moore is the crew chief for Truex's number eight. And uh, Goulet was the crew chief for Mike Harmon's number 74. By the way, chess is in the side. I told you Ryan Truex was going to be good this this past week in ISM in the number eight. Junior Motorsports All-Star Car. I told you to pick him in DraftKings. He finished second. And post-race, he basically said, hey, I mean, like, we pretty much won the race because Kyle Busch won the thing. So I told you. Wouldn't let you down. Tanner Thorson was injured very badly in a highway accident earlier last week. He had hella surgeries and is expected to make a full recovery, which we are very, very thankful for. But it looked really, really bad. So hope Tanner's doing all right. Uh, hope he will be able to make a full and speedy recovery in NASCAR Next member as well. Roger Penske revealed that he had a kidney transplant after the 2017 IndyCar season. He received it from his son, Greg. Uh, shout out to Jenna Fryer with the AP for that story. He also had some interesting thoughts surrounding NASCAR in the next couple years. Uh, Nate Ryan had a story. I pulled it from his story. He said that the Gen 7 card by 2021 needs to happen. He would like double headers. He brought up 200 miles on Saturday, 300 on Sunday. Chess is an idea to float out there. And while we're at it, uh, I want street course races. That's just me. I mean, Penske didn't say that verbatim, but I want street course races. Put one in Seattle. We need the Pacific Northwest as a market. It's kind of untapped right now. Put one in New York City. Who cares? He also brought up cutting costs and like basically said it takes $30 million a year to run a successful NASCAR team and like $10 million for IndyCar. And people are saying, oh, but if you run a street course in New York City, that's not cutting costs. Dude, you got to do something different. I put it in DC. You had a IndyCar race in the streets of Baltimore. That didn't really work out that well, but put it in DC. I'll finance the whole thing. I stamp. I'm on that. I lied, but you see what I'm saying. The Streamline Hotel is up for sale. A lot of people saying that NASCAR should buy it. I say, why not? Streamline Hotel is where NASCAR was officially pretty much made. I mean, that's where they had the meeting to formulate uh, the sport of NASCAR. Uh, the annual NASCAR awards banquet will be held this year in Nashville, Tennessee. That's right, Music City, and the Music City Center is going to be where it's held on December 5th. Maybe I'll go. Who knows? Should be fun, though. I've never been to Nashville. A lot of people are hoping, though, that this could mean a revival of the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. I know Dale Jr. hopes so. I do as well. AJR will perform the pre-race concert at the All-Star Race. I don't know really anything about them besides that they had that song uh, called I'm Ready, and it has SpongeBob in it. So 
that's pretty much all I know about it. And for my Capital Camp squad that's listening, you already know that song. You know what it's all about. Last little bit of Lug Nuts of the Week, Talladega released the Talladega Garage Experience renderings this week. Um, it's going to be ready by the October race. Garage looks like Richmond, if we're being honest. You saw the Richmond Raceway reimagined whole thing that happened last year. This garage experience in day kind of looks similar. There's a lot of areas in the infield to hang out in. Uh, but the thing is, Talladega infield is about <laughs> three, four, five times bigger than the Richmond infield because Talladega is the biggest track and Richmond is under a mile. Uh, but hey, I I've, I've been to Talladega uh, twice as a fan, but I did not go to the boulevard either time. All I know is that the boulevard is still undefeated even though i've never been i, I really just want to go do these like nacho races or like nacho pool swimming things and like oh it, it looks so so fun that'll wrap things up folks for episode two numero dos of victory lane 2.0 i still don't know when i'll start calling it without the 2.0 but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it next week we will recap auto club hear from another driver might be a surprise we'll see um, and we will also preview the next week's upcoming race at Martinsville Speedway, which I will be at. Very excited. Very, very excited. My first trip to the paperclip coming up. So thank you to Corey LaJoy for coming on with us this week. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes as well as Spotify and Google Play. Uh, SoundCloud as well. We have it all going for us here in Victory Lane. As I end all of my shows, I say peace and love. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next time on Victory Lane. Keep it locked.